Welcome back, everyone, to the Mr. Quimbets Podcast, Super Bowl preview number one. Very excited tonight. Our guest is a legend on the covers forum. He's also a sneakerhead from just over the bridge in South Jersey, and he also knows a little bit about sports betting as well. It's Nugs. Nugs, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great, great, great. Glad to have you on again. I know you're on a, a while back. I'm glad we could get you back on before the end of the season because, unfortunately, as the Super Bowl approaches and everyone's getting hyped for the big game, it does mean that the Mr. Quimbets podcast is winding down for the season. We've got one more show next week, so I'm glad we could get you on and get your thoughts about the, the big game uh, in February. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, Mike. Absolutely, absolutely. So before we get into the Super Bowl breakdown, uh, I want to take a couple minutes here to uh, get your thoughts, Nugs, uh, kind of like a mid-season notes, um, you know, mid-season report card, so to speak, uh, both on the NBA and college hoops. Uh, so I'll give you a, a second here to have the floor and uh, give the listeners an idea of kind of, in your mind, where some of these teams stand. Um, as we were just talking before we got on air, um, you know, this is actually the first time that I'm looking at the top 25 in, uh, in college basketball. Um, you know, I go through, I go through hundreds of teams, uh, daily as far as, you know, teams that I'm looking to, to, to bet on and place wagers with. And, um, looking at just numbers and, you know, looking at these standings, um, I'm actually shocked to see, uh, Virginia number two and Gonzaga number three. I was uh, really big on Villanova uh, at the beginning of the year. Um, I believe uh, I had you on my podcast, and we did um, we did some uh, some futures at the beginning of the year. And I yes, remember I was uh, I liked Villanova a lot. Uh, some of the teams that's actually surprising me is uh, the state of the state of Iowa. You know, Iowa actually has three teams ranked in the top twenty-five with, um, with Iowa, Iowa State, and Northern Iowa. Really shocked with uh, Northern Iowa's. Uh, play so far 16 and 2 team um you know i wasn't too high on them at the beginning of the year but uh they're definitely looking to make some noise come tournament time um i see a sweet 16 berth by them very deep uh very deep team well very well coached uh another team that i'm i'm shocked with is uh baylor you know with the loss of uh with the loss of the seniors of last year i'm shocked that baylor has actually put together a 13 to 4 record right now here at the halfway part of the season um, probably one of my biggest disappointments. Oh, another, I'm sorry. Another, another shocking team is Maryland. Um, they're new to the big 10. Uh, I think the big 10 is having a down year right now. So I'm pretty shocked with their record so far, but, uh, one of the biggest disappointments so far on the year, I would have to say is, uh, Georgetown and, um, and SMU, you know, a lot, a lot of people were high on SMU and I said, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what's going on down there in Texas with uh with uh Southern Methodist University and Larry Brown. He may even be uh be on his way out, you know, with with the turmoil going on down there. If I'm not mistaken, aren't aren't they in trouble with the NCAA? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, they're being investigated essentially for academic fraud uh, stemming from uh, at least two players, if not more. Um, and the assistant that was uh, the lead recruiter for both those players has been put on paid leave but i would imagine that the paid part of that is probably going to be uh ending soon and as you mentioned i i think larry might be on his way out unfortunately because he really has resurrected that program and you know has really kind of made and put smu back on the map um and they really have a lot of talent down there and i was very high on them uh coming into this season uh especially coming off of last year um 
they, up and down that lineup, they certainly have a lot of talent. And, you know, they originally had signed the number one point guard in the country. Uh, and he eventually, uh, due to some academic issues, uh, decided to go over and play for play in China. And he'll probably be uh, top two or top three pick in the NBA draft come June. Um, so you can imagine what this team would have looked like with him running the point guard along with the, all the other talent they already have. But for some reason, they just have not been able to put it together all season. And as you mentioned, Nuggs, um, you know, recently now all these, uh, you know, the NCAA is, uh, you know, starting to move forward with, uh, you know, some infraction investigations. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm just shocked with the uh, the overall way that the, the team is falling apart. And, you know, something like, something small like that can grow into something bigger and it can mess up the team chemistry. And, you know, that's, that's, what, I, that's what I see happening down there at SMU. It's a shame what's going on with Larry Brown. He's, he's an excellent, he's an all the same coach. Um, great defense of mind, but it seems like the kids' heads are, are somewhere else. It's definitely not in basketball. Um, so, you know, that's, that's how I feel about, you know, the, the midseason grade there in college basketball. Hey, Nugs, I just want to, before we move on to the NBA, I just want to explore one thing. You said, you know, I remember being on your uh, podcast before the hoop season began in early November, and, you, you know, you did mention about Villanova. Uh, what specifically about Villanova are you so high on? Because, I'll be honest with you, I see them in a different light, and I've actually seen them in person as well. And to me, they're a very typical Jay Wright team. Um, You know, they've got strong guard play. They've got, you know, a half-decent post play. But it just seems that in March, Jay's teams can just never get over the hump. And they just don't have... You know, you would think, especially with a guard-oriented team, typically those kind of teams play well going into March. But it seems like Jay Wright's teams can never, except for that one year when they were just loaded with tons of talent and they made it to the Final Four, it just seems they can never just get over the hump. And I just look at them and I say to myself, I can think of like almost a dozen teams that I would take over them in a head-to-head neutral court matchup. So I'm just curious now, you know, midway through the season, you've seen them a little bit. Uh, you've gotten a flavor for how some of the other teams in the Big East and, and the rest of the country at large has played. Uh, what's standing out to you regarding Villanova? It's just the overall play. I know they're coming off of a terrible loss against Georgetown. They lost uh, 78 to, I think, 55 or 56 or uh, it was 78-58, 78-58 the other night. And, you know, they're coming off of a terrible loss, but, you know, they've only had, they've only played bad a couple of games. You know, they, they, they beat a, they beat a Syracuse team. They, uh, they handled, um, a halfway decent Illinois team. Um, you really can't count that Michigan win, but, uh, they did beat VCU pretty bad, uh, earlier in the year up in, uh, Brooklyn. Uh, I forget what tournament that was, uh, where they rolled them. They beat the number twenty-four ranked St. Uh, St. John's team. Uh, I believe that was ninety to seventy-two um, earlier in January. So it seems like they're beating all the right teams. But I, I am looking. For, I'm looking forward to see the way they perform in their conference tournament, this Big East tournament. Um, last year was a disappointment to me uh, when they lost to Seton Hall in the first round. It was an embarrassment. So I'm looking for them. If they can make a deep run in the in the Big East tournament, I will look for them to make a deep run in the tournament time. Okay, okay. All right, so let's change gears to the the, the pros. I'd uh, be interested to hear your thoughts. I don't cap the NBA, so I'll let you kind of run with it from here. Uh, the biggest, biggest, biggest shock right now is the Atlanta Hawks. You know, I'm I'm utterly shocked. Uh, I talk daily with um, 
with uh, Diner Mafia from Twitter, and he's got probably the sweetest future I know of. I think he's got him 80 to 1, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Yeah, and he, he posted the other day. <laughs> he's got him 80 to 1. He's got him 40 to 1. We're talking about a team uh, that's right now the best record in the NBA, you know, 34 to 8. And a lot of people don't understand with futures, you don't have to – you don't have to win the NBA championship. All you got to do is get to out of that first round, you know, where you can hedge. You can start setting up hedge opportunities. Um, I, I see them beating – if the playoffs started today, I'd see them beating the Brooklyn team going to the second round. So, you know, anybody with those futures look good. Um, a, second, a second team that's shocking, I said the other night to my buddy, I said, man – uh, Mark Jackson looks like the fucking the biggest idiot in the world because Steve Kerr took the same exact team and now they're the number one team in the West. They look unstoppable some nights. Um, but I'm not as big on uh, Golden State as I am on Atlanta. Golden State's a jump shooting team and I feel as though you need to actually play down low and bang with the big boys to to be able to run and run in, in the NBA. So you know I'm pretty shocked there. Um, but those are my two big you know, surprises. And I'm actually shocked at how well Washington is doing. Um, you know, last year I thought they, um, they peaked a little, a year early by getting into the playoffs and, and having a great run. So I'm, um, I'm pretty, I like the way they're playing ball, uh, down there in the nation's capital. Nugs, with the length of the NBA season, as long as it is, does that present a lot of additional opportunities because, like in college hoops, right, the conference schedule really only lasts two months, like January and February, and then you re- you, know, you really get into the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament in March. Uh, so, you know, the real, um, like, crux of the, of the college hoop season is really in January and February. Whereas with the NBA, you've got an 82-game schedule. Do you find that now that you're kind of midway through the season and you kind of evaluate, you know, Who's been playing? You know, who's really hot? Who hasn't been playing well? Does it present additional opportunities because some of these teams are just going to start losing steam, or even vice versa? Some teams because there's so many more games, they could even pick up steam, and there's more opportunity for you to uh, to kind of evaluate and kind of be ahead of the curve and be ahead of the odds makers. I would I would say these teams with the young players, the inexperienced players, uh, will possibly lose some steam. And you know, right now it looks like uh, in both. Both um, East and the West, they, they look pretty veteran heavy. So, you know, as far as a, a professional uh, basketball player, somebody that's been in the NBA uh, for, for quite some time now, you know, on these teams, they're, they're in it for the long haul. You know, I, I won't, you know, I don't see a lot of, uh, you know, teams maneuvering out of the playoffs in the West. Uh, the only, you know, the only team I do see. Uh, a problem with would be uh, the Oklahoma City uh, Thunder, and you know they were crippled earlier in the year, but uh, Westbrook being hurt, with Kevin Durant being hurt, it was at one point yeah, I, I don't know where they got the five. I thought the Sixers were playing out in Oklahoma, um, but I do see New Orleans and, and Oklahoma City making some noise and making that West a, a very tough, um, tough playoff seating to get into. So you know I would pay attention to the West. The East just the East is weak. It's a shame, but yeah, I think that NBA champion is going to come from the West. So the question everyone wants to know, though, out of the East, is uh, does LeBron and the Cavs get it done? 
And it sounds like you've, you're favoring someone coming out of the West to knock them off, or maybe the Cavs don't even make the finals. I don't. I'm not big on the uh, on the Cavaliers. Um, I actually like the Chicago Bulls, and I also like the Washington Wizards. You know, as I said earlier, I felt as though the Washington Wizards peaked a little bit earlier last year. Um, they're great. They have great depth uh, to run to go a seven game series. You know, you got to remember you're not playing one game. You're you're actually going seven games. So can this can this team survive a seven game series over the long haul? Very interesting. Yeah, that's a lot of good points and you know, a long way to go here. I mean, I think the regular season goes through April and then, you know, we've got a, you know, the NBA playoffs seem like they're a marathon every year. Uh, they go on for, you know, two plus months, but, uh, you know, always some good, strong basketball being played in the playoffs. It seems like you you, you finally get everyone's best effort because I'm not sure in the NBA you really get everyone's best effort in the middle of the season. You got a lot of, you got a lot of teams uh, sitting players out throughout the year. You know, one day they're playing, one night they're not playing. Guy's got all of a sudden uh, his hurt knee. You know, the next night he's all 100% better. So, you know, you really don't you don't know what you're going to get night to night. But as you said, as you get closer to playoff time, you're going to get a lot of these teams that's going to buckle down here and, you know, put their foot on the gas and, you know, get to this playoff season. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, well, let's change gears to the big game that everyone wants to talk about, which is, is the Super Bowl in about another week and a half. Uh, you know, we're only a couple days removed from Conference Championship Sunday and uh, a ton of line movement right from the get-go. So, Nugs, what was your initial thought on the three and, in some uh, shops, four-point line movement uh, since Sunday night? Uh, you know, I read earlier – uh, I forget where I read it, but right now it's probably the most lopsided bet uh, Super Bowl uh, in history. Um, the last time I looked, I've seen um, uh, seven out of ten bets are going on uh, New England, and you know, you, the public, the public eye is going to is going to believe what they saw last, and what they saw last was uh, a Seattle team that barely got got you know got to the Super Bowl, and in the NFC. And they've seen the New England Patriot team dominate an Indianapolis Colt team, front, you know, through four quarters on the ground. They did basically anything they wanted to do. I think uh, Blunt averaged six or seven yards to carry. So, you know, with all the public jumping in here on one single game, you know, that three points, I believe, was a sucker. I think it's a sucker's bet. You know, when you saw that three points and, and how it's dropped, because, uh, you know, I'm actually leaning towards the uh, Seattle Seahawks myself. Well, yeah, once you start seeing so much action going the other way and, you know, just in a, in a few days here, uh, as we mentioned here at the top, uh, you know, you've gotten three, in some cases, four points of line movement. Um, and such a, like you mentioned, such a lopsided uh, wagered yeah. game so far. You know, it's if you find yourself on the side of the majority, you should that should at least give you some pause. And uh, I agree with you, Nugs. I mean, it, it seems a little odd that a defending Super Bowl champion is getting such little love already. Now, obviously, you know, we've got another, you know, 10, 11 days till the game itself. Uh, so a lot of things can change. But uh, it does seem a little 
it just uh, it, you would always ex- kind of expect the, the the defending champion now you know in a rare situation making it back to the Super Bowl again uh, would be getting a lot of the public attention but that certainly has not been the case and I agree with you I think a lot of it just has to do with uh, you know what have you done for me lately um, and you know people just remember that the last thing they saw on Sunday night was that the Patriots completely whooped uh, the Colts in that second half. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of dismissing Seattle, uh, even though they made an incredible second-half comeback and, uh, you know, obviously got it done in overtime. Absolutely. You know, I'm, it's, I don't know. I just, I just think defensively the Seahawks are going to have enough to get it done uh, versus the, uh, the Patriots. Um, you know, the Patriots come, have come up shorthanded the last was it two trips or three trips to the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, all the scandal going on with uh, Bill Belichick and, and the Patriots organization, it doesn't look good. And I, I, don't know, I think uh, Seattle will be focused. You know, Seattle, uh, Russell Wilson probably played his worst football game as a, as a professional you know, throwing four interceptions, and, and somehow or another they, they, they found a way to win the game. Let me ask you this, Nugs, because I was talking to a buddy of mine last night, and uh, the listeners know him, uh, the coach. He's been on the podcast before. Uh, he's been on Twitter. Um, you know, he made it an interesting point. If Seattle wins this game, is their defense considered one of the greatest of all time now that they've beaten Manning and Brady on the biggest stage in back-to-back years? No. That's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, there's Manning said for that, though, right? I mean, you know, if if everyone agrees that Manning and Brady are two of probably the top five quarterbacks of all time, you know, I know Manning's had his problems in the playoffs, and that's documented and everything. But I mean, generally speaking, the two of them are kind of in that that upper echelon of of all time quarterbacks. Uh, and have run some of the most uh, prolific offenses uh, in the history of the NFL uh, throughout their career. If Seattle on the biggest stage is able to beat them head-to-head in back-to-back seasons, I mean, that says a lot, no? You know, it, it depends on how it's done. So if they come out and just literally dominate the way that they dominated Peyton Manning last year, you know, the game was over as soon as the ball got snapped over his head, I, I felt. You know, it just oh, seemed like he just... for sure. <laughs> it seemed he wasn't with it at all. Um, you know, th- their defense is amazing, man. Cam Chancellor is an absolute stud. The way he plays the safety position, he's a linebacker. You know, out there, out there playing safety, it- it's it's unreal. With uh, with Wagner back being healthy, it- it's a different defense, and it's been that way. Now, a lot of people say, you know, oh, who have they played? Who have they played? And they're getting the job done. They're playing professional athletes. That's what they're playing. You know, they're not playing scrubs. They're playing pro athletes. So, you know, I'm a defensive-minded uh, person. I love defense. I was born to play defense. I'd give me the defense versus the offense. Do you, What are your thoughts on the New England's uh, defense this year? I mean, it feels like they, they've been, you know, much improved from some of the past seasons, uh, at least in recent history. Um, do you think they match up well with the uh, the Seattle attack? I'm I'm pretty, you know, you know what their biggest acquisition would be uh, Daryl Revis, and I feel as though he plays the corner for uh, Bill Belichick's defense a lot better than uh, Akeem Talib played last year. Um, and what I mean by that is they they can actually go out on the island and it's you know he's alone, 
where Tlaib was uh, a little bit of a liability in some cases where, you know, he had a matchup problem uh, going against a lot of teams' number ones where they had him in a slot. You know, he wasn't a true shutdown corner. Um, and I don't care what anybody says. I believe Revis right now is probably the top defensive back in the league. Now, the only thing with, uh, uh, with New England's defense, their safety play is terrible. You know, Patrick Chung, I don't know if people remember, but he was a backup in Philadelphia, and now this guy is, you know, the saving, the saving grace in in in, uh, in New England. I don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't buy that. I believe that's a liability, and I like the way uh, Bronner plays. You know, he's a former Seahawk. You know, I just. No, there's some good points for sure. You know, this game brings a, a very unique situation to the table for New England because there's really a lot on the line for them if you think about it. And I'm not saying this necessarily plays into the game, but I'm just saying from a, a fan's perspective or from a 30,000-foot perspective, it brings an interesting point to the table because for Brady and Belichick, they've won three Super Bowls that, you know, in some people's mind are um, – you know, mired in the, in the Spygate scandal, right? They've since lost two Super Bowls, both of the uh, both of the Giants. This very well may be their last opportunity together to to win a Super Bowl, or at least even to get there. Um, for them to win this Super Bowl, it would really cement the legacy of both of them as great head coach, great quarterback. Uh, winning so many titles and doing it over such and being so consistently good over such a long period of time, but if they mm-hmm. lose this game, then Tom Brady goes to three and three in Super Bowls. Now, obviously, there's a lot to be said to make six Super Bowls uh, as a starting quarterback, but to have won three and then to lose three, it almost may take a little bit away from his legacy at the end of the day and away from uh, you know. When you start comparing, you know, obviously you put Joe Montana ahead of everybody. So, I mean, when you start going head-to-head, I mean, if he now is only 3-3 three and three in Super Bowls, it does take a little bit away from the, uh, you know, the luster of his career. And the same with Belichick. I mean, now the question, yes, he's a great coach, obviously. He's been doing it for so long, and, you know, he's been able to, uh, to, to, to win. And, and, you know, he was with the Giants as a defensive coordinator back in the 80s with Parcells. But... If he now as a head coach can only go three and three, and has lost three since the you know the uh, the, the Spygate scandal, I mean, does that kind of uh, you know mire his legacy and and you know the way his career is looked at down the road? So I just think from a thirty thousand foot perspective, it is interesting that there's a lot on the line there. And then the flip side, as I talked about a minute ago, for Seattle, now you know if they win. You've beaten Manny and Brady in back-to-back Super Bowls. Uh, you've won back-to-back titles, which is incredibly difficult to do in any era, especially this era of free agency. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the game obviously has changed so much in the last five or ten years. Um, and, you know, now do you start talking about Pete Carroll, who, you know, was left to, to, for dead when he was with the Jets back in the 90s. Uh, now do you start talking about Pete Carroll as – uh, you know, one of the all-time great coaches because this guy has won titles at the college level, has won multiple titles at the NFL level, and has consistently been good. Um, you know, so there is a lot of, the, uh, you know, kind of side storylines there in terms of, you know, depending on who wins, 
there really is a lot on the line because both of these teams have already kind of, have already been to the pinnacle before. So now you're kind of just adding onto your resume. Um, so Nugs, I like I know I kind of rambled there for a minute, but what are your thoughts on some of those points they made? You know, it's, it's going to come. It's a shame that it's going to come to this, but you're going to have to ask yourself: Do you see Bill Belichick as a cheater, or do you see him as a great? Coach, you know, it's a shame his 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 uh, his past is going to be you know graded that way. Yeah, would you agree? Uh, I do. I mean, I actually I look at him as a great coach. I don't really care too much about the cheating. Um, I mean, if they come out and win this game uh, in ten days, I mean, there's something to be said for winning four Super Bowls. Uh, over a, I mean, I guess now it's going to be like a 14-year period um, mm-hmm. with the same team. I mean, he's been there, you know, this whole time uh, and with the same quarterback. Um, I agree. I mean, there will always be something in the in the media. There's always going to be kind of a, a cloud because of Spygate. Now this nonsense with the, with the, the deflation of the balls against the Colts and everything. Um, but at the end of the day, the guy has consistently won – over the last 15 years. I mean, again, there's something to be said for making six Super Bowls. Um, it, it goes beyond the spying. It goes beyond the balls. It goes beyond luck. I mean, there, there's something to be said. I mean, no one else is doing it. You know, no one else is you know, winning yeah. that kind of clip. And you also got to look at where he took this Patriot organization when he came over um, to be their head coach um, after Pete Carroll. You know, a lot of people don't know that either. You know, Pete Carroll was the head coach of the Patriots before um, Bill Belichick took over. So, you know, where the Patriots were, they were the laughing stock of the NFL. To where they at now? You know, they're they're it's a it's a dynasty. You know, what they do year in and year out. Um, even even when they were rebuilding, they're still you know ripping off wins. Um, you know, being a tough team to beat. It's an, it's an outstanding coaching job um, by Bill Belichick. I believe he's he's one of the best in the game, if not ever. You know, with the with, you know he just gets up and runs with, with what he has. You know, he takes a a, a Legarrette Blunt. You know, the guy was cut mid season. He's uh, and now he's having a career game in in the uh, in, in, a, in the AFC Championship game. You got. Uh, Jonas Gray, a complete nobody. You know, most of this guy's, you know, stars are, you know, it's always they find somebody to show up. They I mean, game Tom plan Brady for was a six-round draft pick, Nugs. I mean, right there, I mean, it just started square one. I mean, you know, you got a six-round draft pick that's now won three Super Bowls and been to six. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they're, they never have a first-round pick. So it's not like they're made from the draft, you know, made from like, you know, early draft, these, these first round superstars, they're getting third round, fourth round picks, um, you know, journeymen they're bringing in here. I remember Corey Dillon was their running back uh, when they beat the Eagles that year. You're right. It's, you know, always just find guys that can give them two or three seasons. And those two or three seasons end up being the best of their career. Absolutely. And and it's very rare in the NFL for an organization to do that on such a consistent level across every position. 
And, and that's what I was saying earlier with Patrick Chung. This guy was a backup in Philadelphia, and he just, you know, he just got re-signed for, to an extension up there in New England. You know, he found a home. I don't know why he wasn't, you know, why he wasn't able to, to perform here in Philadelphia, but somehow or another he's a superstar up in New England. And I think it speaks directly to Belichick. And I, I think it speaks to the culture that he has created up there. I think it speaks to the coaching staff. I think it speaks to him directly. Um, I think all of those factor into, you know, when you said like these journeymen find their way to New England and then all of a sudden they're pro bowlers, right? And they, and they had these two or three great years and... You know, it seems like the Patriots always find their way to the AFC. You know, they're always win the division. They're always win, find their way to the AFC title game. Now that they, they've now made it to six Super Bowls, I mean, there is something to be said for that, regardless of the cloud that you know, as you mentioned, will kind of always hang over his career. Um, but there is something to be said for all of that because no one else has done it over such a long period of time, especially in the context of the way the NFL has evolved over that 15 year period. Because, you know, and, and even if you want to go back 40 or 50 years, I mean, you know, from uh, back in the 70s, the game's completely different now. Everything's different mm-hmm. about the NFL now. So for them to be this good for so long and to do it with, a bunch of no-name guys, pretty much. Like you said, I mean, they're not loaded with a bunch of, like, round one talent, big-name guys. I mean, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time is a six-round draft pick and wasn't even that good at Michigan. Um, no, he wasn't. You know, and, I believe he played one year. If I'm not mistaken. He played his senior year. That was it. That was it. So, I mean, I think, again, that speaks to what – there's a, some sort of intangible about Bill Belichick that makes him so great and has been able to elevate all these players to greatness throughout his tenure there. Um, now, on the flip side with Seattle, it's, it's a very another very unique situation. Again, I mean, if they win, now you've won back-to-back titles in an incredibly difficult environment in the NFL to do so. Um, you've done it with uh, you know a running back that for from all intents and purposes, basically doesn't speak to anybody on the team. It sounds like from everything that I'm reading uh, throughout the last year or so. Um, so you've got all these communication issues, but again, I mean, Carol is another guy. He's like a culture guy, right? I mean, he brings mm-hmm. like a, a very loose, um, uh, open-minded culture uh, that allows players to feel comfortable, that allows them to buy into the schemes that they're putting together offensively and defensively. Um, and I think it speaks volumes to the coaching staff and the job that Carroll has done because, again, you know, to be able to do what he's done in such a short period of time, I mean, Seattle Seahawks for a long time were just the, the doormat of the NFL. I mean, for most of my life, right, I'm, I'm going to be 35 in August. I mean, for most of my life, Seattle sucked. Yes, they have. I mean, they were a nobody I remember, team. I, mean, Steve Largen, I remember growing up. Steve Largen, Steve Craig. Steve Largen was the greatest player in the, in the history of the organization, and I mean, they were terrible when he played there. And throughout, and you know, you and I are from the same area. I mean, you know, they, they never were any good. And now, uh, you know, Carroll in a very short period of time. Again, I think it, it speaks volumes of what these guys are able to do because it is about culture. Because you're talking about grown men, right? These aren't college kids, right? You're talking about 30-year-old grown men that, you know, 
making millions of dollars could just say, fuck it. You know, I'm not listening to this guy. But because of the, and that's what happens across a lot of the league. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, most of these teams in the NFL suck. But for these two teams to be able to be this good, and especially in Carroll's case, to be able to turn this uh, organization around so quickly, uh, I think speaks volumes to his mentality and the culture that he and his coaching staff bring to the table. I agree with you. I agree with you 110%. Um, the the thing I would look forward to is what's going to happen if they win this Super Bowl. If the Seattle Seahawks actually pull this the Super Bowl out and and go back to back, salary cap wise, what's going to happen that next season? You know, will it be dismantled because they have a lot of free agents? You got a lot of weird stuff going on with with Lynch. He's talking about retirement. He doesn't talk to nobody. It's you know. He's such a, a big component to that offense and that organization up there. You know, what's going to happen in the offseason? That's a great so point, that's for sure. That's a great you know, point I because I think that speaks again to the kind of like the, the evolution of the NFL because now you can't, you know, you can't build four- and five-year dynasties like you were back in the 70s, right, or even mm-hmm. earlier with the Packers back in the 60s, right? Or even in their case, it was like a 10-year dynasty. So – because no, like you said, I mean, free agency, salary cap, I mean, guys move on. I mean, they win back-to-back Super Bowls. Man, these guys are going to cash in now. You know, they made names for themselves. I mean, now it's time to get paid. Well, you you got you got a Russell Wilson making six hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. I know it's crazy. So, it's crazy. He, he's do he's do a paycheck. Absolutely. Yeah, a big one. Now, all right. So that brings up another good point, Nugs. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So, Russell Wilson, is he a product of this environment and scheme? Or is he really good? I think he's really good. I think he's special. I think he, I think he is really good. Um, I think he, he would be able to succeed with a couple other teams. You know, I think he's a big difference maker. Uh, you have to account for him in the running game. Um, you know, you just you know, beat you with his arm. He's had a couple 300-yard 300, 300 passing games, 400-yard passing games. And it's you're not paying attention, he'll break a 60, 70-yard run against you and hurt you that way. So, you know, defensively, he, he's a, he causes problems and issues for teams. So I think he's the real deal. Interesting point, for sure. So for both of these teams, uh, let's leave this on a final note now. For both these teams, what do you think is the X factor for them to get the W? Um, will Seattle be able to to stay defensively, well, it's not even a matchup because they, they match up well across the board. It's will they be able to be aligned, you know, with, uh, with the recent, you know, the recent uh, couple of playoff games where um, New England's come out here with, you know, the weird sets and, and, you know, throwing the game off where one team said they were cheating. Right, right. You know, by not – by not saying that you know, they had the, the linemen on the on the line. They didn't have enough linemen on the line. So if you know, if Seattle's able to stay aligned defensively, we're in for a treat. You know, I think the defense is gonna is gonna hit Brady in the mouth. Um but in the same case if LeGarrette Blunt get, gets rolling, Seattle's Seattle's in trouble. They can't stop the run. I, I agree. I, I think Blunt's the X factor for the Patriots for sure. Um, he's actually kind of like a, a like a dark horse uh, MVP candidate in my mind. Um, 
because I agree. I mean, if he can get moving and if he can put up some big yards, uh, that could really bust this game wide open and give Seattle a lot of problems. I think on the Seattle side, uh, and you touched on in a moment, Nugs, talking about Russell Wilson, I think his legs will be the X factor. Um, you know, Flacco and Luck are not uh, threats necessarily to, uh, you know, to break off 60 and 70 yard runs. Um, so I think, you know, if Russell Wilson is able to, uh, uh, you know, a couple on the, on the, either on a, on a design read option or, um, you know, on some sort of broken play is able to make things happen. Those, you know, and, and look, Nugs, you've been doing this a long time and you played football for a long time. So, you know, it's a 60 minute game, but it really only comes down to a few key moments in games that really swing a game one way or the other, especially on a big stage, like a Super Bowl. Um, so I, you know, it, I think if if Blunt gets going and busts a couple big runs, or if Wilson gets going and busts a couple big runs, I think that's really where the game can swing uh, momentum-wise, one way or the other. Typically, Super Bowls aren't great uh, entertainment. A lot of times, you know, they're they're blowouts. You know, even though everyone's expecting a close game. I mean, obviously, last year was a a good example of that. I'm ex- anticipating a very well played game. I think these two teams match up very well against each other. Uh, and barring, uh, you know, some weird thing in the beginning of the game, like last year with that safety or, you know, if there's going to be a kickoff return to start the game or a punt return very early in the game, uh, barring something odd like that where, you know, it could kind of, uh, you know, kind of uh, punch the other team in the mouth real early and they never get back up again, which seems to happen sometimes in football. Um I think we're in store for a very well-played game. I think this line closes probably around a pick. Uh, I don't really see it creeping up much further on the New England side, and I really don't see it swinging back. Even though I anticipate Seattle money coming in next week, I really don't see it swinging all the way back to two or three either. What are your thoughts there, Nugs? I agree with you. I see the game closing at a pick. I'll be shocked if it actually, um, if Seattle uh, actually moves as far as, you know, minus a half or minus one. I'd be shocked on there. I'm actually waiting to see um, what this line does next week leading up to the game uh, to see which way I'm going to sway here. But right now I am I am leaning uh, Seattle. And to touch on what you said there as far as the keys of the game, uh, a wise man uh, coached me and told me uh, the keys. You know, if you do these keys, you will always win the game. You know, if you sustain the if you sustain the block on offense and gain tackle and defense and win the turnover mar- uh, margin, you'll win a football game. So, and I think that's what's going to happen in this Super Bowl. You know, whoever's going to be able to sustain the block on offense, um, you know, get these runs set up for the play action pass, move the chains, and gain tackle on defense is going to be our Super Bowl champion. So easily said, but yet so hard to execute. <laughs> But uh, it should be a great one. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, You know, I I just, I think, again, I think these two teams match up really well against each other. Um, You know, I think it's a very interesting coaching matchup uh, because you really are dealing with probably the two premier coaches in the NFL right now uh, in in this game. Um, You know, with last year's game, I've never been a John Fox fan. um, So I anticipated uh, Carroll... Um, you know, out coaching him a little bit. Uh, and, you know, as you said earlier, Nugs, I think, you know, once that ball flew over Manning's head to start the game, it was pretty much over. And that kind of speaks to what I was mentioning a moment ago about sometimes in football, especially a weird play happens early on. They get knocked in the teeth right from the get go. And sometimes these teams never recover, especially on a big stage. Um, 
So I'm I'm excited. I think this is a really great matchup. I know the NFL. This is you know their dream matchup here uh, to be able to get the you know two teams from both coasts involved. I think there'll be a very large handle uh, in Nevada. Um, so it should be great. Absolutely, Look, looking looking forward to it. I'm uh, looking forward to see the defenses get after it. So I'm with you. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you coming on tonight, Nugs. I want to thank you again for uh, being a friend of the podcast throughout the year. And, you know, even though things are winding down next week with the podcast, I look forward to having you on again next year. Absolutely, man. Thank you for coming on. Uh, Good luck to everybody um, this weekend as well with uh, college basketball. And good luck next weekend with uh, whatever wager you decide to go on. Uh, I hope your wager is a winning wager. And uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. Absolutely, Nug. So, real quickly before we let you go, why don't you plug, uh, you know, your Twitter? And I know you uh, you've got some consulting services going on with a bunch of guys uh, on your site. Absolutely, um, you can find me at Covers Nug. That's at C O V E R S N U G G Z. You can get my plays over at Capper's Finest. That's C A P P E R R S F I N E S T. You know, honest, brutally honest, and right up uh, right up front. Um, you know, you're looking for professionalism. It's right there with us. Uh, so, you know, give me a shot to, for me to win you some money. Guys, make sure you definitely follow uh, Nugs on on Twitter. And uh, he's got a great service. And he's, uh, you know, one of the few uh, real good guys in the industry. So I'm always glad to have him on. And uh, I'm glad we've been able to, uh, uh, you know, to get together again, Nugs, and, and talk about sports. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Mike. Absolutely. So, guys, uh, that's it for this week. You know, you guys can find me on Twitter at Mr. Quinn Betts and also at my website, MrQuinnBets.com. Next week, the last podcast of the year. Trying to line up another big-time guest for you guys to finish the year on a high note, as we always do. Um, But make sure you guys listen to the the, uh, podcast on SoundCloud. And until next time, good luck and keep cashing. Bye-bye.